Jesus' name, amen. Let's give our kids a big hand as they head downstairs this morning. We do ask that if you have to use the restroom during this time, that you go over to the North Sanctuary. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, the only people downstairs are those that are watching our children. I'm going to switch to my other mic. Church, can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. All right. Just give me a whole lot more volume. I want the neighbors that don't come to church to be able to hear me still. All right. I pray that they heard the worship. And um, wow, can we give God praise for the worship today? Oh my goodness, that's how you do it. You give God your best in worship. We don't just sing songs to get through them. I don't even think the praise team got through the songs they were supposed to sing today. And none of them are mad because that's what's supposed to happen sometimes when we worship the Lord. It's about what he wants. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to your people and to feed your sheep and your lambs. I thank you for the living word of God. I thank you, God, that they have a hunger for the word more than they do anything else in life. I pray now in Jesus' name that our hunger for the world would just begin to diminish, God, and you would change our palate. The things that we used to watch, the things that we used to listen to, the time that we used used to spend on social media. God, we're going to give that back to you. We need your word to live because it is in you, Lord, alone that we live and we move and we have our being. Jesus, we magnify you this morning. You are our risen Savior. They crucified you on a cross, but three days later, the Holy Spirit touched you, and by the power of your Father, you rose from the grave. We serve and we worship a risen Lord. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is our God. And Lord, I pray now that your anointing would be upon me as I deliver your word to your people. Lord, remove me out of the way. Remove my thoughts. Remove my ideas and my concerns. I do not want to contaminate this message. I want this message to be straight from you. Holy Spirit, what you whisper in my ear, let that be what I tell these people this morning. I also pray for an anointing to be upon these people in Jesus' name. Lord, begin to cast their cares away from them, God. Everything that would rob them of hearing this message, Lord, I pray that you would remove it and that you would allow this message to awaken us. Let those who have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. And we declare this in Jesus' name. Amen. Kim, if you could just stay there for a few more moments. Our, our message today is called Faith, Our Need to Know Him. Church, can you say this with me? I need to know him. We need to know him. And we have physical, emotional, and spiritual needs, but none of them are greater than our need to know our precious Jesus. Uh, I was away, and I thank God for uh, the opportunity to get away. Went to Florida to a pastor's, pastor's conference with my wife. And um, so we, we basically went on vacation to go to church, right? <laughs> 
And not just to go to church, but to be in the presence of God, right? To be equipped even more, to be better pastors and better leaders for you. And so there was worship there, and the worship was incredible. Just like the worship we just had, the worship was there too. And in that moment, as I began to worship God, he began to open up some things to me. And he let me know this. He let me know that he wants to meet with me. Can you say this with me? The Lord wants to meet with me. Do you believe that? Like Jesus wants to have personal meetings with you. He wants you to want to spend time with him. And so I was doing this uh, the next morning. I was worshiping the Lord and I was praying and um, I was taking advantage of this space that he's given me to, to just worship him and to come in, to walk into this space and all the cares disappear. Now, be honest, when you're praying or when you're worshiping, raise your hand if you ever have distractions come to your mind. We all do, right? And so in that moment, I, he began to help me protect that space that he's created for us to spend time with him. Uh, Brother Peter knows all about a prayer closet, don't you? The prayer closet is where you go, and it might not be a physical room, but it's a space where it's just you and Jesus and all the distractions that come knocking on the door, you just have to dismiss them and say, I'm spending time with the master. So as I was worshiping the Lord, he led me through some steps. So the first thing he had me to do before I entered into this special sp space was cast all my cares from him. Just give him all my concerns. So I thought about everything that's bothering me, everything that's weighing me down, and I just began to name them one by one, and I just cast them down at his feet. And then after I did that, I was able to step in front of all my cares and concerns that he would pick up. He doesn't worry about where they are and where we throw them down. He just says, cast them. Do you hear what I'm saying? It doesn't matter where you throw it, just get it off of you. Some of you have so much heaviness. You carry these things every day. The, the last thought you had was this problem. The first thought you have in the morning is this problem. I'm not talking to you, Siri. And I was able to just name them all. Church say, name them all. Sometimes you got to name everything that's bothering you. Don't just say, God, I'm, I'm hurting or God, this is heavy. You name that problem one by one and say, God, I'm giving you this care and I'm giving you this care and I'm giving you that care. And after I did that, I had a vision of light coming down. So just as water comes out of a shower head individually, I saw light standing before me up and down. And I knew in that moment that I was supposed to walk through it. But before I walked through it, I began to, I had a desire to be clean. When you meet with God, you should have a desire to be clean. You should say, Lord, forgive me of all of my sins and trespasses. See, in, in, in Japanese households and maybe the Chinese, it's customary that before you walk in, what do you do? You take your shoes off. You don't dishonor their home by, 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 by walking with your shoes on. And remember when God came to Moses in the burning bush and he said, Moses, I want you to take your shoes off for the ground that you stand upon is holy ground. So before I could walk into this holy ground, I had to get rid of some things and I can't get rid of them myself. I've got to say, Jesus, search my heart. Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins and trespasses. 
Jesus, wash me with your blood. May your light cleanse me. He says that we're supposed to walk in the light. What fellowship do we have with darkness? We must walk in the light. So as I entered into his presence, there I just begin to sing to him. See, we do this as a congregation, but the Lord still desires we do this same thing one-on-one. He desires that you enter into his presence with thanksgiving and begin to just worship him by yourself. Church, can you say by yourself? Don't you dare wait for Kimberly and Jim on a Sunday morning to begin to worship the God who's God all the time. He's not just God on Sunday. He's not just good on Sunday. He's God and he's good all the time. Even when we have problems, even when we have heartache, God is still good. So I begin to worship him. And I begin to meditate on scripture in his presence. And it just came so alive to me. And then, and then when I was finished, I asked the Lord a question because I just felt so loved in that moment. Like you took all my cares. You have just, you've just spent time with me. And I said this to the Lord. I said, Jesus, what's on your heart? And he spoke to me. And that's the message I'm going to give you today. He spoke to me, and here's what he said. He said, the church, and not just our church, the church all over the world, his church, he says, the church has a million needs. Raise your hand if you have any needs this morning. You need some things, all right? The church has a million needs, but I want their greatest need to be to know me. I want their greatest need just to be to know me. So, Father, as I preach this message, God, I pray that you would teach us how to know you and why we should. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Kimberly. Sister Erica, can you come here for a moment, please? I had this song on my heart this morning and she can bless the Lord better than I can bless the Lord for your hearing. That's how I'll say it. Like God doesn't prefer her voice over my voice when we worship, but for your ears, right? I'm going to have her sing this song that was on my heart. And remember this, listen to me. Jesus even wants our needs to connect us to him. Even our needs can connect us to him. There you go. That's fine. Lord, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. I need thee. 
Savior, I come to to Thee. One more time. One more time. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. Ha! Yes, Lord, I need Thee. Oh, I need Thee. to Jesus, he still wants us to know him. Do you hear what I'm saying? So don't feel bad sometimes when it's a need that brings you to him, because that's how it begins. That's how we begin to know God, because it was a need, right? We needed salvation, so we came to him. And then through that, we were able to know him as Savior. It's okay if it's a need that brings you to his presence, but you will soon find that you love him so much and that he's so good to you that you'll go after him even when you don't have a need. He then will become the need. He will become the primary need. Lord, I just need you. Now I see. See, you... you, you I won't say you tricked me, but, but God, now I understand. I was surrounded by all these needs just so I would keep coming to you. But what I learned from coming to you with my needs is all I ever really needed was you. You were what I needed the most. So our needs do have the power to connect us to Jesus. But our greatest need is simply to know him. How many of you have been alive since 1970? Raise your hand if you've been alive since 1970. All right, keep your hands up. How many of you have got some, how many of you got Christmas presents in the 70s? Keep your hand high. You got some Christmas presents in the 70s. How many of you know where those, keep your hands up if you know where all those presents are. So as much joy as they brought us for a moment, we don't even know where the Etch-a-Sketch is anymore or the Lincoln Logs or the Jacks or the Stick and Stone, whatever you got for Christmas, right? You don't even know where it is anymore. But let me ask you this. Do you remember who gave it to you? Yes. Because the need wasn't the gift. The need was to be loved by somebody who loves you. So we must understand that sometimes the need isn't really the need. The need was the one who gave it to us. The need is to know who the gift was from. We're going to Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Buckle up. We got to go. 
When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. No, that's not the verse I wanted. Where's my verse? Well, I guess we'll start there. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father, say my father. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. When does God know what you need? Before we ask him, he knows what we need, okay? So, he wants our greatest need to be to just to know him. So, no, so listen to this. We, when we pray, we're praying to Yahweh. We're praying to the Father of heaven, the Father of Jesus Christ, the Father of the redeemed saints, who already knows our needs. So when you pray, God already knows your needs. So then that tells us something. So our greatest need then is simply to know him, right? If he already knows what you need before you ask, when you run to God, your greatest, the greatest need is not to tell him the need because he already knows the need. The greatest need when you run to the Father with the problem is just him. He is the need. He already knows what you have need of. So I have to tell you this morning about the greatest tragedy. The greatest tragedy that there will ever be in the history of all time. The greatest tragedy. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. And this is the Amplified Bible. And it says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So that lets us know we have to do his will. Verse 22. Many will say to me on that day when I judge them, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and driven out demons in your name and done many miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them publicly, I never knew you. Church say tragedy. He says, I never knew you. What a tragedy that is. But there's even a greater tragedy than that. He says this, depart from me. You are banished from my presence. You who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. So listen to this, please. Father, help them hear this. The greatest tragedy is not to hear Jesus say he never knew someone the greatest tragedy of all time will be that he wanted to. See, we get so caught up and say, ooh, ah, ah, that would hurt so bad to hear him tell somebody, depart from me, I never knew you. But there's a bigger tragedy than that. The bigger tragedy is he wanted to. He wanted to know them. He died for their sins. They didn't have to be lost. They didn't have to not know him. They had opportunities to know him. So we need to learn through several steps and through several issues how to know him because all of you raised your hands when I said, do you have needs? How to even begin to know him in our needs because the problem is this. The enemy desires to overwhelm you so much that there's no time for prayer. 
There's no time for church. There's no time for Bible study. Oh, I would go and do things uh, with the church, but I've got to work overtime. Why do you have to work overtime? Well, you see, I have this need. The need is supposed to introduce you to the magnificence of Jesus. You're not supposed to be solving your own needs. The need is a way to know him. I want you to say this with me. My needs are a way for me to know him. Stop being anxious. Stop worrying about your own life. Stop handling things on your own. And let the care, let the need bring you to Jesus. If we handle our own concerns, then we become a God unto ourselves. If he knows what we need before we even ask, we still have to ask. So don't get busy trying to fulfill your own needs. Ask the Father to bless you, and he will. So we have a need to know him in our cares. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. New Living Translation says this. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. I believe all of us have some worries and cares and concerns. Uh, I've got some. And if I'm not careful, here's what they try to do. They try to, my worries and concerns, they try to push Jesus off the throne and sit there. And make me think about them, make me bow to them, make my, keep my mind on my problems, right? They try to dethrone who Jesus is. So if we don't give our need to Jesus, the need wants to become Jesus. It wants to become our God. The need becomes the thing we bow to, the thing that we are so concerned about, the thing that we lose sleep about. And we should not be losing sleep about our needs because we're not supposed to even be carrying our needs around. Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares for you. Do you not see that when you give your need to God, that there is an exchange? When you have your need and you keep it, the exchange is indigestion. The exchange is sleeplessness, anxiety, stress, Heart disease, hair falling out. That's what happens when you keep your cares inside. They're toxic. Stress kills. But what happens when you give your care to Jesus? There is a transaction. He says, come on, give them to me. I'm not asking for your silver and your gold right now. I'm asking for what bothers you. I'm asking for what troubles you. Why do you want them, Jesus? I care for you. I love you. And in this moment, the things that are bugging you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to turn them into worship and say, Lord, this bill, I'm sick of thinking about it, God. I'm sick of thinking about how I'm going to pay this bill. So instead of carrying this around through work and snapping at my kids and all these things, I'm going to turn this into worship. This is how you do it, church. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill, but I know that you are good and I know that you care for me and I know that you will meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory. So, Father, you told me to bring you my needs. So I leave this at your feet and I trust you. And two things happen. Number one, 
you experience his love. And number two, you experience his peace. Is that Bible? Yes. He says, if you will keep your mind stayed on me, I will keep you in perfect peace. But the bell still do. Doesn't matter. I will keep you in peace. Why? Because you trust me. So maybe the reason we don't give our cares to God and we carry them is because we trust ourselves more than God. And as Dr. Phil, the bald-headed white guy on TV would say, how's that working out for you? How's carrying all your cares around, how's that working out for you? Is it solving anything? Do you have joy? Do you have peace? How's it working out for you? It's not. So why don't you just trust God, right? So what we think we need to know, okay, we don't need to know about our need. What we think we need to know is we think we need to know the answer to all of our worries and cares. You just, you just want answers. I want answers. But what we really need to know is that Jesus cares. What? This thing that, that's concerning me, Jesus cares about it? Yes, give the concern to him. All right? So that's how we begin to know him in our cares. The next thing we need to know is we need to know him in our hunger. Church, can you say hunger? So your pastor's been trying to lose some weight, and it's hard out there on the block. Woo! So many good things to eat everywhere, right? Even the kids at school, like, what's your favorite donut, Mr. Tibbs? Like, man, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. Ah, field sticks. <laughs> That's my favorite. Can't let the kids down, right? But I've been trying to lose weight, and I'm learning that uh, this is a true story. Uh, I'll, try, I'll try to make it fast. The other day, I was at a training for work, and, 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 and instead of getting a double cheeseburger and all that stuff, I just went and got some plain chicken wings, and I got some coleslaw from Chiefs, right? I don't usually eat like that, but I did it. And after a little while, I felt something weird, right? Usually after the double cheeseburger and stuff, I'm ready to go to sleep, right? Just like, ah. But after I ate light and some nutrition, I felt this thing called energy. Like, wow, like this works. It was like an energy buzz. Because I changed, I tried to change my diet. I tried to change my hunger. And we need to know God in our hunger. Church, can you say spiritual hunger? We need to have a spiritual hunger for God instead of always trying to appease our worldly appetite. You see, the reason we spend so much time on uh, the fast food of social media and TV, many of us, is because it's not filling. If it was good, and if it was filling, then just two minutes and I'm done. But it's empty. And that's why we have to keep eating it. So how do we begin to know him in our hunger? Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And it says this, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. 
But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So what do we learn here? What Martha thought she needed to know, because here's the, the, the things with needs. Needs require answers, and they demand things from us. So what Martha thought it, she needed to know was... Jesus, isn't it unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? But what she really needed to know was Jesus is the only thing worthy of concern. He is the bread of life. Mary chose the best meal in the house, being served not at the table, but at the feet of Jesus. My prayer for you, church, is that you will begin to fall in love with the Bible again. Can you say the Bible? Somehow the Bible got way over there in Christianity. Somehow the Bible got way over there in society because they need to hide it. You know why they need to hide it? Because those who do things in the dark, they hate the light. So they had to hide the Bible to make abortion illegal. They had to legal. They had to hide the Bible to get prayer out of school. But Christians, where are your Bibles? Your our relationship with Jesus matches our relationship with our Bible. If our Bible is under the bed, under the desk somewhere, that's why our relationship with the Lord is kept too until we need it. May we fall in love again with the one thing that is necessary, and that's what Jesus was doing, and uh, Mary was doing, and that's why he refused to rebuke Martha. I'm not going to tell Martha to get up and help you when she's listening to the word of life. She's chosen the wise thing. Church, listen to me. May this heal all our anxiety. Jesus said, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. And that's him. Everything else can go where we put our Bibles. So let's bring our Bible close again, open up the word of God, and begin to know him in our spiritual hunger. Matthew 4, 4 even told us, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. All right, by a show of hands, how many of you have some uh, financial needs? Just some needs that you're believing God for to meet some needs, okay? Many of us have financial needs, and we're going to call those lack right now. So how do we get to know God or the Lord even in our lack? Let's go to Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 through 27. It says this, On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house. So Jesus was not there. Listen to me. 
Jesus was not there when they asked for the temple tax. Jesus was apart from him. He was in a house somewhere. But remember what I told you about God and your needs, that before you even ask, he knows what you have need of. So they asked for the temple tax. Yes, Jesus pays them. Now Peter's going to go tell Jesus, Jesus, our temple tax is due. And I don't have money. Do you have any money? So he takes his need to Jesus, and before he can even ask, what does Jesus say? Listen to this. But before, this is how good your God is. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, what do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. Church, say this with me. I am financially free. Ooh, I heard a baby baby get excited about that. Let's say it again. I am financially free. All right. Now, sometimes we're not financially free because we were foolish. We weren't good stewards over the money. Or we apply for credit cards and we had really no means to even pay it. Credit cards are not free money. Credit cards are expensive money. It's not dollar for dollar with a credit card, right? It's 15%, 25%, 27%. So credit card money is not money. It's just a bill. Do we understand that? So if we want to be financially free, we have to be financially fiscal and responsible with our money as well. But Jesus is able to make it to where we can owe people nothing except to love them. Right? Okay, you don't have to believe it. I believe it. Here we go. All right. Continuing on. He he said this. However, we don't want to offend them. So go down to the lake. And throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. So here's what Peter thought he needed to know. Because here's where all our stress comes from. Our stress comes from us trying to think of a solution, think of what we need to know, and it's really not what we need to know, it's who we need to know. That's, that's how the need connects you to an answer, not the solution being a material thing, but the solution being Jesus. So listen to this. What did Peter really need to know? He really needed to know in this moment that Jesus knew both the need and how to meet the need. I wish somebody would wake up in here and get excited about what I'm saying. I'm trying to tell you this. You've got needs that Jesus not only knows the need, but he also knows how to meet the need. That's why we always go to Jesus with our needs. Because before we even ask, so listen, listen, listen. God is rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. This earth that we build these uh, edifices on and, and these beautiful structures and mansions on, God puts his feet on it. The earth is the Lord's footstool, right? So I'm trying to tell you that even in your financial needs, that the greater need is to know God. Because God not only knows the need, 
but he also knows how to meet the need. That's what I want you to know. That in our lack, we can know God in his sufficiency. Oh, man. I, I took some money with me on vacation. I took $200 cash in my wallet. And while I was there, God had me give it all away. Some of us would battle with that. Some of us, meaning me too sometimes, right? Every, you know, the little spending cash, it's good to have some cash on you. Boy, keep some money in your pocket. You never know. Gone. Give this one that much. Give people, I, well, two of the people I knew, but one of them I, I didn't know, and just gave them away. Our problem is some of us here would see that as loss. Oh, man, I just lost $200. No, you did not. You just obeyed God with your money. It was a test. And the Bible says that he gives seed to the sower. So as I was obedient to give what he told me to, I have created a new space in my wallet. So if he wants me to bless somebody else, he's got to do what? He's got to bless me again. That's how you know God in your finances. When you say, God, not just the 10%. Well, I could have wrestled with God and said, okay, God, I've got $200 in my wallet. 20% is yours. 10% is yours. Then you get $20. So God, whoever you say, I'll give 20 people a dollar. No. Obey God. Try him. Right? See if he won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. Stop letting fear control your finances. The reason some of us are in debt, the reason you got a credit card was fear. I don't know how I'm going to pay this, so let me get a credit card. It's time for fear to stop ruling our finances. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we cancel the spirit of fear on our finances, and we declare that everything we really need, that you will supply. You will supply. We don't have to go into debt for our needs. What a lie. We bought the lie. We bought this American dream where you've got to keep up with the Joneses and you've got to have the this and a that. But if you can't afford it, then you can borrow it. No. God, you don't let us borrow your goodness. You give it to us. So, Father, I pray fear off our finances and fear off our giving in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't be afraid to bless the Lord when he tells you to bless him. It's not a loss. It's a seed that's being sown into the ground. I've got just a few more, and we'll close here. Okay. All right. My notes will be in the app, so you can go to those and read some of the other things I have, but I feel to go to these last two right now. So, sometimes there is a need to know him even in our grief. God doesn't want to waste anything. Every experience becomes an opportunity to know him there. Do you hear what I'm saying? So whether it be lack, financial lack, whether it be sickness, whether it be circumstances, if, if we are wise, we understand that these are just opportunities even to know him there. So even in grief, sometimes God presents an opportunity for us to know him. Let's go to John chapter 11, verses 17 through 26. And it says this, Kimberly, you can come. 
Uh, I've got a few more, but I would love for you to use your gift right now. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. How long, church? Four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. So what that lets us know is that it was not a four-day trip. Just a few miles. Jesus could have come at any time Lazarus was sick and healed him. Jesus loved Lazarus. And Jesus loved Mary and Martha, his sisters, right? But it says that it was just a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. Verse 19. And many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha and their loss. Many people had come. I'll tell you this. Sometimes people are terrible consolers. Sometimes people aren't very good that when you've had someone die, they're not, they say all the wrong things, but just excuse them because uh, they're doing the best they can. All right? But you know that some of the people that visited that day had some questions. Don't you follow Jesus? Isn't he the one that can raise the dead? I've heard stories about Jesus, and nobody knows Jesus more than you two. Why didn't Jesus come and heal? If Jesus loved Lazarus, then why is he dead right now? And these questions can beat us up. They become knees like, oh, why? Then I don't know. It makes you begin. Their doubt makes you begin to question your faith. You gotta be careful who you expose your faith to. And they begin to ask questions and trying to console them. Verse 20 When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, remember, four days later, Lazarus was sick and now he's been dead for four days. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you something about grief. There's a lot of if onlys that surround grief. If only I had been a better son. If only I had been a better friend. If only I had done this. Or if only I had done that. So you know Mary, I'm sorry, Martha was full of questions because when Jesus got there, she didn't say, oh, Messiah, oh, I love you so much. She had questions. And it's okay to have questions for God, even in our grief. She said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? So what do we learn here about how our needs connect us to God even in grief? What Martha thought she needed to know was, why did you wait so long to come and allow my brother to die? 
grief has a lot of questions attached to it. A lot of things that we think we need to know. Why? God, did you have to take my father at 70 years old? That's young, God. Why? But listen, Jesus said this to me in prayer. My church has a million needs, but I want their greatest need to be to know me. So what Martha thought she wanted to know was the why. Why did you let my brother die? But what she really needed to know was not why Jesus allowed Lazarus to die, but who Jesus was. He said this, and may this settle all grief. I'm not going to give you the answer to why I waited or why they had to die. I'm just going to tell you who I am. And may this be enough. I am the resurrection. Well, what does this mean? It means that anyone who believes on me will never die. They will always have life in me. So here's what grief does to us. And I know from experience, the grief becomes a plug that doesn't fit into Jesus because sometimes we're asking the wrong question. If the question is, is, is why or why didn't you, it just keeps missing. Like it doesn't, it doesn't connect. So it's not about why in grief. It's about who in grief. Because no matter how they died or when they died, if we change what's holding us back in grief from why to who, because his answer was, I am the resurrection. And we say, okay, God, instead of why they had to die, a better question would be, who can raise them up again? Who has the power over all life and death? We got to get rid of why and say, who? Who can? It's been four days since Lazarus was dead. So I, I, I'm past wanting to know the why. It's been four years since my dad died. I, I'm past wanting to know the why, and I'm just content with who can raise them up again. The resurrector. If, if we put those two things together, grief dissipates in the praise and thanksgiving and say, Lord, one day, one day, today is the Feast of Trumpets, right? One day, a trumpet will sound. And who cares why anymore? I just get to embrace Jesus and all my loved ones again. Forget about the why. Let's stand to our feet. Forget about the why the when, the what, the how of all of your needs and all of your problems and all of your concerns. We've got some people moving to a new city. There's all kinds of things that are going on. Questions swirl around us. But I want you to not look for the, for the why, the when, the how, right? But the who. 
the other day, I was outside with the kids and I saw what I thought was a hawk fly to the front yard with the biggest wingspan I ever saw. And then I saw it fly to the backyard and land on a branch. But they're so well camouflaged, these birds that God made, that prey can't even see them when they're in the trees. And so I finally got back to the backyard and I found what the bird was. And it wasn't a hawk, it was an owl. And church, what do owls say? Who? Who is the only thing we need to know about all those questions that swirl around? How demands an answer, and the, man, the answer to how is who? The answer to why is who? The answer to when is who? The answer to where is who? Do I sound like an owl? Let's bow our heads. Jesus, your people have a million needs, but their greatest need, you said, is to know you. Lord, I asked you what was on your heart, and that's what you said. Father, church, I want you to do this for me. If you've got I want you to close your eyes, first of all. But if you've got any questions that linger in your mind that are demanding answers, would you set them out before you with your hands cupped together and all these questions? Some of you are facing some difficult challenges right now. Some of you are in grief or approaching grief. Some of you are in financial uh, lack. Some of you have some sicknesses in your bodies. Some of you have some bad reports. Some of you are single and looking for love, and that concerns you. Some of you need a job. There's all these needs that we have, a million of them. But Jesus said, our greatest need should be simply to know him. So if you've got reasons in your hands or these questions in your hands, I want you to begin to sort through them and think of this. Lord, I'm connecting each one of these needs to you. Well, I'm worried about my father's health, my, my father's aging, and I'm worried about that. But I'm going to take that need now, and I'm going to connect it to you. I'm going to give it to you. God, keep him in health or whatever your will is, do that. Maybe one of your needs is a financial need. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay for my kid's college or pay my next uh, car note or whatever. Okay, grab that one. And let's connect it to the who. My God shall supply all of my needs. What about those hard ones, those, those things you've been longing to know? But it seems like he's silent. And the reason that he's silent is because there's no answer greater than him. Sometimes we're just asking him the wrong question. There's, no, there's nothing greater than him. I am that I am. It's who he is. Sometimes we want a, a, an answer that's above God. There's no answer above God. The answer is God. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name that all of our needs would simply become ways in which we might know you more. 
in Jesus' name. The last thing I want to say is this. We have a need to know him in our sins. And it really doesn't even matter when that happens. I don't care how old you are or I don't care what your story is. There's an instance in the Bible where Jesus was being crucified between two thieves. And everyone in the crowd was mocking him saying, Jesus, if you're the son of God, then save yourself. Come down and save us as well. Said the, the, the other thief on the other side of Jesus. If you are who you say you are, then save yourself and save me too. But there was another man on the other cross, the opposite cross, that said, you fool. We're here because we deserve to be here. We're guilty of the things that we're being crucified for. But this man is innocent. And he said this to Jesus. Jesus, when you enter into paradise, will you remember me? And Jesus said to the thief on the cross who was not baptized, who did not go through an altar call, who could not drop down to his knees, he said, on this day, you will be with me in paradise. So even in sin, I mean, how, how much deeper in sin can you be than being crucified? Even in, even in sin, we can know him. 